You're listening to Key Matters from Kappa Kappa Gamma with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and my co-host is Dr. Mary Osborne, the Director of the Stewart House Museum. Thank you for joining us as we travel through the Key Magazine from 1882 to today. You, on the other hand, have 1898, and I recall that you picked it for a reason. So I did. I will share that reason momentarily. Hit us with it. What's going on in 1898? Okay, so first let's talk about what was happening in the world. In February, February 23rd, Emile Zola was jailed for writing his Jacques letter, which accused the French government of anti-Semitism and wrongly imprisoning Alfred Dreyfus. On March 17th, engineer John Philip Holland ran a successful test of the first modern submarine. On April 21st, the Spanish-American War began and later ended um, in December. On June 1st, the Trans-Mississippi Exposition opened in Omaha, and that will become important uh, to CAPA. We'll see in later issues. On July 5th, Lizzie Arlington became the first woman to play professional men's baseball. She was a pitcher. And on December 21st, the whole reason I wanted 1898 was uh, Marie and Pierre Curie discovered radium. Looking at famous people born in 1898, um, those include author C.S. Lewis, famous for the Screwtape Letters and the Narnia series. Composer George Gershwin was also born in 1898, as was Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir and actress Irene Dunn. Looking at um, the issues for 1898, uh, some of the the big overarching questions that chapters seem to be debating concern both active members and alumni. With regard to initiation, chapters are pondering the best way or ways to become acquainted with potential new members. Some held their own preliminary or mock initiations referred to in these issues as chapter swings. And I had to wonder if that term swing was just another euphemism for hazing. Not sure, possibly. Florence Carpenter of Beta Tau lays out the pros and cons of a mock initiation. On the one hand, a preliminary initiation helps the freshman acclimate to that chapter's particular situation. And the process forms a bond between lower and upper classmen. And the freshmen learn humility, her word, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, some perceived this this entire mock initiation process as frivolous and offensive to new members. An editorial at the end of the January issue goes so far as to contend that these rituals or quote unquote nonsense, riding the goat, being blindfolded, etc., are in direct opposition to the seriousness and nobility of the fraternity's vows, which is, this is very timely, considering what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Another matter that affects a chapter's composition is legacies. It's easy to forget, but we're almost 30 years removed from Kappa's founding at this point. It makes sense that the question of legacies is going to come up. So Blanche Noel from uh, Mew Chapter at Butler urges chapters to think of what's best for Kappa overall. And I wanna read part of her editorial. So she says in in, um, the October issue on page 202, 
The girls in this chapter know all these things. They feel that they owe much consideration to this girl's relatives, and yet they cannot be reconciled to the girl herself. There is something about her which they are sure does not belong to her cousin, and still it is a vague, indefinable thing to which they object, a mere suggestion of lack of refinement, which they cannot describe to each other, but of which each girl has a definite consciousness. Then the question arises whether they shall not ignore this feeling of aversion from whatever source it may come, and thus spare their sisters many bitter feelings, or whether it would not be better in any event to remain true to their convictions of what would be best for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Will not someone who has had experience help us to solve this troublesome problem? Another way chapter women hope to establish stronger bonds is by having a chapter house. And, and you've already covered this with um, regard to University of California. So this concept isn't new to 1898, but the debate has evolved to ponder the merits of building a house versus renting one. And these, are, these activities are attracting the attention of organizations outside the campus community um, including the national newspapers, um, in this case, the New York Tribune. Cultivating relationships during the academic year is one thing, but the summer vacation presents different kinds of challenges, the main one being distance. In the April issue, a member of Omega Chapter at Kansas admonishes Kappas to be intentional about maintaining these relationships during the lengthy break. Student illnesses must have also made maintaining relationships challenging. The reports imply that these are lengthy illnesses such as tuberculosis or nervous exhaustion or some kind of other type of respiratory illness that require women to take a leave of absence from school. One of the most highly anticipated events during which Kappa strengthened the bonds of sisterhood was convention. 1898 is a convention year. This time, Sigma chapter at the University of Nebraska had the privilege of hosting convention. The chapter was excited to meet members of the Grand Council, and the convention agenda included a visit to the Trans-Mississippi Exposition being held at Lincoln. Speaking of convention, there must have been a proposal to change the time of convention from August to coincide with part of the academic year, because a collegian points out that the problems with this proposal, mainly that it would, have, would force students to make a difficult decision about missing classes, and you can see and read more about that in the July issue on pages 140 to 141. However, a Kappa from Beta Delta at the University of Michigan likes the idea of holding convention in October because so many students at the University of Michigan are non-residents and wouldn't be on campus if convention took place in August. And I think it's important to remember that at this time, the fall semester didn't begin until September for many students, which is today, most of the time, fall semester begins in August. And then looking at Kappa Kappa Gamma in the world and some of the issues that were of concern to the women, while chapters were debating issues involving new members and initiation, the Spanish-American War is in full swing. Like World War I and the influenza epidemic, which we discussed in one of our first episodes, the war doesn't seem to have affected the women's daily lives. However, there are a few interesting things taking place on campuses. Missouri State is organizing a military department for women. It seems like it was some type of ROTC program because the letter mentions drilling uh, in the April issue. 
Beta Delta, the University of Michigan, makes reference to the beginning of the Spanish-American War too. Some men have already enlisted and others have formed a battalion on campus to practice drilling. Some Kappas volunteered as military nurses. Margaret Long, the daughter of John Long, the governor of Massachusetts and later secretary of the Navy, served at the U.S. Naval Hospital in Brooklyn and later earned an MD from Johns Hopkins. And several of her friends also served as nurses. Long later contracted tuberculosis and moved west for her health. And then during the 1920s through the 1940s, she traveled old wagon trails out west and photographed them while driving her Model T and Model A. Her oh. papers, including her travel logs, are housed at the University of Colorado at Boulder. And then in the middle of the Spanish-American War, the United States annexed the Republic of Hawaii, which um, some chapters make mention of the fact that one, uh, one member was actually vacationing in the Hawaiian Islands and talks about how everyone is so enthusiastic for the annexation and like, yeah, I don't know if you talk to everyone, but yeah. Yeah, everyone. And <laughs> everyone in her circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, our relationship with the media is also changing in 1898. Uh, you had mentioned the the demand for illustrations and the July issue of 1898 opens with an essay on photography. Cameras and their supplies were becoming more affordable and the demand for photographs was rising. People wanted to see the interiors of fine homes, especially, I guess they were curious about how the other half lives. And we see that this interest continues uh, well into the 20th century, if not beyond. Uh, maybe not today. Yeah, I, I still want to see the inside of your house. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't. Well, it's not that exciting. Um, but it, it did remind me of how much I enjoyed the program on A and E called America's Castles, yes. because that was basically a look at how the other half <laughs> lived. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of history thrown in there as well. Yeah. And then um, just to wrap up, um, eighteen ninety eight. There were some things that caught my attention that I would just kind of place into a miscellaneous category here. Emily Dunning made it to medical school and she enrolled at the Women's Medical College in New York City, which that will later close. And be, um, part of the reason is that then um, medical schools started becoming co-educational. So at Cornell, for example. Um, I enjoyed reading the article in the July issue about life at Sage, Sage College, speaking of Cornell. I, I really think Cornell should make, like, give me an honorary degree after all of this, <laughs> since I mentioned them so much. But uh, yeah, I was really excited. Well, they're also editing. So, like, they're going to come up anyway, because as editors. That's true. A lot mentioned about Ithaca and Cornell. and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this this article about Sage College was interesting because I have wondered, well, what what was student life like for for Dr. Crawford, especially because you know if she's not writing about it, how do we get a sense of you know what the the daily routine was like? And this article really did cover that about kind of the schedule of classes and just everything that sort of took up the you know their nine to five routine. It's interesting that there are a few afternoon classes at Cornell. I don't know if it's still like this, but the afternoons were devoted to study or extracurricular activities and gym was a two-year requirement. So I don't know if I would have survived that, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then sadly, in June of 1898, uh, Minnie Stewart Field passed away. And in the October issue, the, the key is included an in memoriam to Minnie. But unfortunately, they just reprinted an obituary or some information from a Chicago paper, which got her age wrong. She was 46, not 56. And it also made me wonder, like, shouldn't her death have elicited more of a response? It was just, yeah, there was nothing. (laughs) Yeah, and it makes me wonder, too, though, they still were just so close. As one of them said, we're not yet 30 years out. And so. So that wraps up 1898. That's the news to know in 1897 and 1898. Thanks, Dr. Oz. Sure. You've been listening to Key Matters, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum, the Stewart House, is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Research and production is done by the director of the Stewart House Museum and member of Alpha Deuteron Chapter at Monmouth College, Dr. Mary Osborne, and me, Kylie Smith, from Omicron Deuteron Chapter at Simpson College, and the archivist and museum director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.